Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. see all of you and I'm grateful for each of you and um, for those joining us online I want to thank you for being with us today as well at this time I just want to ask all of us if you could get out your Bibles or get out a Bible app and go to the book of Hebrews we're studying through the book of Hebrews and we're on chapter 11 so if you'll head to chapter 11 verse 23 We hit chapter 11 and we kind of started, you know, slowing down just a bit. We're really wanting to take just um, a little extra time here in Hebrews chapter 11. It's such a monumental chapter. It's known as the Faith Hall of Fame. And several weeks ago, we began chapter 11 and we began, let me just a a quick review. Uh, We got a description of faith. Um, It was this. I'll just remind you. um, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, that's what it is, and it is the conviction of things not seen. So we begin chapter 11 with this description of faith. Then after that, the writer of Hebrews kind of just takes us on an overview of the Old Testament, kind of just going through these different stories of faith found in the Old Testament to kind of demonstrate for us what faith looks like. We looked at Cain and Abel, Enoch, Noah. Last week we looked at Abraham. And today we come to a man named Moses. Moses, Moses, once again, he's a pretty big, well-known person. He's a pretty big deal in the Bible. He's a pretty big deal in the church. And so today we're going to examine the faith of Moses. And what we're going to see, the overarching thing that we're going to see in this faith that's possessed by Moses is that biblical faith accepts some things and biblical faith rejects some things. And I want to say that clearly because we're going to be working this out. Biblical faith accepts some things, but biblical faith also rejects other things. You see, the truth is about faith is that faith is selective. Faith is careful. And it requires, it demands decisions to be made. It does. It it demands that we as individuals, we've got to make certain decisions. Now, now I say this, and, and, and we all know, our life is made up of decisions. We know that. None of us here today are strangers to decisions, right? We're making decisions all the time. We make big decisions we make small decisions. All of you made a decision. You're going to be in church today. 
That was a decision. We make decisions to read the Bible or not to read the Bible. Our, our life is made up of decisions. But the deal is every decision we make affects everything that comes after that decision. Now, here is a hard truth. There's a hard truth. The truth is this. Your Christian life, my Christian life, rises and falls based upon the decisions that we make. It does, our decision. In other words, spiritual immaturity, right, or spiritual maturity will always manifest or be seen by the decisions that we make. It just, it works out. Spiritually mature Christians make certain decisions. Immature Christians make other decisions. That's, that's not saying that mature Christians always making great decisions because they don't, but there is this proclivity. There is this pattern in their life and the decisions they make and how they walk out their, their life. And our decisions matter. Our decisions matter in our walk. Our decisions matter to our family. Our decisions matter to our life. Our decisions matter. And so we're going to look at Moses we're going to look at Moses and his walk, and we're going to see things that he accepted and things that he rejected. We're going to see the decisions that faith makes, and we're just going to walk through this passage. Once again, remember, remember, faith accepts certain things, and faith rejects certain things. It just does. So let's get to it. Chapter 11, verse 23. First thing, first thing we see this. Faith accepts God's plan. That's the first thing we need to see. Let me read 11.23. We're talking about Moses. Here we go. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child, that's Moses, was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. So we're going to talk about this, all right? This is referring back to the book of Exodus and the first example of faith we get here is not actually Moses. It's not. It's his parents. We look at his parents, all right? Now, in this text, we're not told the names of his parents, but you go back to the book of Exodus, and his father's name was Amram, and his mother's name is Jochebed. That was their, their names. That's his, that's his parents. And we're told here that they possessed faith, and because they had this biblical faith, they did something. It said they hid baby Moses, and they hid baby Moses for three months. Now, you read that, and I think you would probably think, well, that's kind of interesting. Why are you going to be hiding your baby for three months? Well, my children were born, if I was honest with you, I kind of wanted to hide for three months. But that's not what they did. They hid their baby. What's that about? Sounds odd, right? But if you have read Exodus, maybe you're familiar with this, but the Pharaoh the king, he put out a decree. He put out an edict. And in that he said, all male baby Hebrews were to be executed, to be killed. And if a family had a child during that time period and they did not do that, that did not happen, then they were susceptible. They could, in fact, be executed themselves. But you know what? That edict, that decree, it did not bother Moses' parents. They didn't know. They were not afraid of the king. Why? Why not? They just hid their baby. Why? Well, they had faith. We are the, the text says because of their faith, they responded in this way. But the text does say something odd as it's been translated. It says they, they did it 
they did it because, well, okay, they did, they did it because the child, it says beautiful. I mean, well, that's kind of odd. Are you telling me if Moses would have been ugly, they'd have done something else? Is that what that means, man? This is odd. Like, you know, all, all, all parents think their, their kid's beautiful. What does it mean, beautiful? Well, you can do the word study, go back to Exodus chapter two, verse two, and that word is translated, it could be fine child or exceedingly fair, fair, exceedingly fair. But what it means broadly is that this child was fair unto God. It means God had especially set this child aside, put his affection on him, and God had called him out for a specific reason. Now, this has been communicated to his parents in some manner. I do not know what manner. But they heard God say it. They had faith in what God said. And because he said it, they were convinced of things not yet seen. So they take their kid, their baby, and they hide their baby. And because they had this biblical faith in God's plan, they did not fear Pharaoh. That is faith. Now, I'm going to say this real quick. Contrary to what some may say or even preach. Listen to me, church, you gotta hear me. God's plan is not always a safe plan. It's not. It is not always the plan of least danger to you, but it is always the best plan. The life of faith first accepts God's plan. Except, hey, listen, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe God got a plan for you. Maybe you're looking at that plan and you go, I don't understand that plan. I'm kind of scared of that plan. I kind of want to reorganize that plan. I want to talk God out of that plan. I'd say, stop. Faith accepts God's plan. All right. We're going to keep moving. Now we're going to get to some things that faith rejects. Second thing we'll see, faith rejects the world's prestige. I don't reject. Check stuff. Look, verse 24. We're just walking through the text. Look again. By faith, you got that word right, right? Faith, faith. We know what it is. Moses, when he was grown up, so he's a big guy now, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Okay, okay. He, he's, he's an adult now, all right? And we see that he's rejecting to be called Pharaoh's daughter. So what's going down? You got, you, got, you got verse 23. Verse 23, he's a little baby. Verse 24, he's a grown man. Now he's rejecting to be called Pharaoh's daughter. What, 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 what's going on? Real quick, you got to go back to Exodus to read this. Maybe you know it, maybe you don't know it, but here's what happened. About three months into the whole hiding the baby, his parents decided to put him in a basket and put him in the Nile River and kind of just float him down, whatever. They had faith in God. I'm unsure once again. Seems kind of odd, but we could go back and study it. But they, they, they put little baby Moses in this basket. And it just so happened, hey, and by the way, it just so happened, listen, if you're a Christian, it just so happened. It's going to happen in your life a lot because God just so happens to do stuff, right? That's called the sovereignty of God. So she put out there, it just so happened that Pharaoh's daughter was going to take a bath in the Nile River. Not an uncommon thing to do. And so she's doing that while she's there. She sees the basket. And, and the text says, little Moses is in it. The text says, the princess took pity on him. She sees Moses, supernaturally has affection for Moses, takes pity on Moses, and she takes the baby. 
but she needs someone to raise the baby. The baby's still nursing. She looks to the side of the, the Nile, and it, it just so happens in the sovereignty of God that Moses' sister, Miriam, was there, and she asked Miriam, do you happen to know someone who could raise this kid and, and, and nurse him, and then at the proper time bring him to the royal co- court? And it just so happened she did, the baby's mother. So Moses, in God's sovereignty and by God's grace, is returned to his mother to raise the child. Now, scholars disagree exactly how long Moses would have been with his family. We don't know. Some say up to three years, some say up to 12 years. I don't know, but I do know this. In that time period, Moses' mother and Moses' father taught him all the great doctrines of the Bible. He knew God. He knew God's word. All right. He reaches that age of education, whatever it is, I do not know. And then at that point, he returns to the, to the Pharaoh's court, to the princess. And then he becomes, I don't know, the prince in Egypt. And that's what's going on there. So I don't know, whatever, he's 40 years old, he's reached this age, and now he's in Pharaoh's court, he gotta make a decision. He's gotta make a very hard decision. He had to choose whether to become a full-fledged Egyptian, right? Or go back and be with his people. It's a very difficult decision. By the way, every, I'm looking at every one of you right now, every one of you have made difficult decisions in your life and every one of you will have to make difficult decisions again. And that's where he's at. He's got a decision to make. But he had a key to this decision making. He had something called biblical faith. You see, while he's up in that prince's kind of court, in Pharaoh's court, learning to be an Egyptian, he had something that the other individuals did not have. He had a knowledge of the living God. He had faith. His mother had taught him. His father had taught him. And so he's there. In age 40, he had to make a decision. His decision was this. I refuse to be called a son of Pharaoh's daughter. He did not see the world's prestige. What did he do? What did he do? What did he, do? he saw God's will. God's will. Man, he knew God had a better kingdom. He knew that God had a better reward. You got prestige, you got honor and fame. And I'll know, I'll tell you, that's a powerful thing. It's an absolute powerful thing. People live their whole lives dreaming about it, fantasizing about it. Moses gave it all up. Faith, hear me out, church, rejects the world's prestige. Does. Now, I, I want to do something, guys. Um, let me do I'm going to do so. I'm going to chase a rabbit here because I want to I I share something with you. Um, I was thinking about Moses. I don't know what Disney got. There's cartoons about Moses. You know, a lot of people think Moses is a myth, legend, fairy tale. I'll tell you something. Moses was real. These decisions were real. I'll tell you, people debate. And I'm just going to share this with you because I think it's interesting. People debate about, well, who was the Pharaoh with whom Moses lived. Who was it? What dynasty? There's all sorts of debates. I'm going to share something with you real quick. You can do with it what you want to. I'm going to chase a rabbit. I'm going to, this is an official rabbit chase because I actually got a slide. I got a slide. We got a slide. Listen, I'm just going to show this to you. All right? You can go back to your own research. I want to show you the 18th dynasty of Egypt. Check it out. 
You can go Google this stuff. It don't matter. I want you to look. These are the names of the first 10 pharaohs in the 18th dynasty. I want you to see what the first pharaoh's name was. Look, almost. You see that? You see that, that root, that, that root, most. Moses, I'm going to tell you something right now. Moses, what? you can study all the dynasties in Egypt. This is the only dynasty that has that same root of the pharaohs. And you get, check it out, Amenhotep the first, Thutmose, you see that? The, uh, this is first, well, however, Thutmose the second, five, Hatshepsut, six, Thutmose the third, Amenhotep the second, I'm going to get to number eight. Number eight, Thutmose the fourth. Fourth. You can go read about him. You can go study him. Listen, this is outside the Bible. This is history, man. This is history. Thutmose the fourth. Thutmose the fourth. That guy, in his kingdom, he was exceedingly powerful. He had everything at his fingertips. Read the history of Egyptology. Some mysterious things happened about his death. They all debate about it, what it was. I think perhaps a man might have got caught under some water. But I'm telling you, you can, you can go back and you can, you can do what you want to. Then you get his predecessor, the one after him. You get Amenhotep III. Amenhotep III, you can study him. It's almost as though he did not anticipate his father dying. He gets put on the, third, the throne. I want to get to number 10 real quick. I want you to know this. Number 10, Amenhotep IV. Amenhotep IV changes his name to Akhenaten. You can, you know, listen, listen, it's weird. This dude, the only pharaoh in all of Egyptology does this. He's the only one. He does away with the religious system. He kills the polytheistic religion. He is the only pharaoh who becomes monotheistic. Now, it's not the God of the Bible, but he, he becomes monotheistic. He moves the capital. Everyone debates what would cause this man to become monotheistic. I believe it's because he saw his grandfather get smoked by the living God. That's my opinion. It could be wrong. My point is this, guys. Moses is real. Moses lived in a real kingdom. He lived at a real time. And these decisions he made are based in real life, just like you and I. All right? Let's get back to it. I just want you to see that rooted. I want you to know that this Bible, this Bible, this Bible is real, man. Third thing, faith rejects the world's pleasures. The world's pleasures. Verse 25, getting back to it. Maybe he's hanging out in the 18th dynasty. Listen, if you're into Egyptology, you're free to email me and tell me I'm wrong. We can have a discussion. Verse 25, choosing. He's going to make a decision. Rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Dude, I love, I love this. I love this. I love this. The Bible the Bible's so honest. It's so brutal, Right? It says, it, says, it says, look, look, sin, it says, does have pleasure. Do you know? You don't. Now you know. Indulging this flesh, what? It can be pleasurable. The Bible doesn't deny that. God doesn't deny that. But what it does say and what we must understand is the pleasure this flesh indulges in, that is sin, it does not last forever. It is what? Fleeting fleeting. Nobody, nobody enjoys sin forever, right? Doesn't last. And we see here that Moses would prefer to suffer with the people of God 
than to enjoy sin for a season, right? Now, now once again, Moses had a decision to make. You got a decision to make. I got a decision to make. Am I going to enjoy sin for a short-lived time or am I going to obey, obey, obey God? Oh, let's be honest up in here. With church, we should be honest, right? I'll tell you right now, I have and do. I indulge in my flesh. I do. Every day we're going to make those decisions. Whether it's a lie, I, not a lie. Oh, we don't use that word lie. What about, uh, what about what an exaggeration so that I look better and someone says, whatever, we do all these things, right? We whatever. But this stuff is fleeting, right? It's fleeting. It doesn't last, man. We've got to make these decisions. We've got to make these decisions. Do I obey or do I disobey? And from a human standpoint, from a, from a, from a fleshly standpoint, man, all of you, we know, we, 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 we debate this flesh all the time. This, this flesh of mine, oh, my, this flesh of mine, it will lead me in all sorts of ways of disobedience. But I've got to decide. I've got to make a choice. I am going to be obedient. And that's what he did. He goes, I'm not going to be obedient. I'm not going to give into my pleasures. I'm going to be, I'm going to be with God's people. That's what he says, right? Faith. Faith. The promises of God, I've got hope in them, evidence of things not seen. I know this, this sin is fleeting, and I want to obey my God. That's what he did. That's exactly what he did. Faith rejects the world's pleasures. Next, we'll see. Well, faith is going to reject some other stuff. Faith rejects the world's, check it out, plenty. Oh, these are hard. Look at this, verse 26. He considered, once again, making a decision. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than what? What? The reproach, greater wealth than what? The treasures of Egypt. For he was looking to the reward. Now, let me tell you something. You can go, man, the Egyptian 18th dynasty, if I am correct on that, and I may not be, that's fine. But it was staggering. The wealth they had was staggering. You won't believe the things they built. You won't believe the luxuries they had. But, but Moses... Oh, I love, he considered. I love that word considered. Considered means this wasn't a quick decision. It means he, he, he thought about it, right? He weighed it. It's not a rash conclusion. He, he, he weighed it out. He looked at it, right? From every angle. I'm looking at the wealth of Egypt. I'm looking at all these things I can have, all these things I can enjoy. I'm looking at this. When I turn my eyes to the living God and look at the living God, I see that the reproach that I may incur from following the Messiah, right? His mom taught him about that, who the Messiah was coming. The reproach of following Christ is of greater worth. It is of greater value than all the pleasures that I see right here in the kingdom of Egypt. That's the conclusion he came to. He calculated, he looked, he saw, he read, he understood. And what is he looking for? He says, a reward. His, once again, guys, his heart was on the eternal. His heart is on the living, the, the living God. By the way, is that not a choice that we have to make too? Every one of us. We got resources, we got time, we got energy, we got talents. We're going to use them for 
What does the Bible say? Do not lay up your treasures where? Here on earth. But make a decision, make a choice to lay them up in heaven. They're eternal there. So I got wealth. I got talents. I got time. Where am I spending my time? Am I laying it up to build a kingdom for myself here? My, 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 my resources? My energy? No. He made a decision. He calculated. You know, the, the wealth of the world, the popularity in the world, or the eternal kingdom. And he made the decision. He rejected the world's plenty. We also see next, faith rejects the world's pressure. Check it out, verse 27. By faith, you get get this drumbeat, by faith, by faith, by faith. He, that's Moses, he leaves Egypt. He gets out of Dodge, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he he endured as seeing him who is invisible. He's looking at God, looking at God. And I love it, it says not being afraid. Man, fear. Fear, man. I think, I, think, I think one of the greatest pressures Christian face in most cases is fear. I don't know why. I don't know why. We got all sorts of fear. I, I think one of the reasons that many of us don't share our faith is because we're, we're, we're fearful. We're fearful, right? I mean, you're not, a, no one's a, you're not afraid you're going to be put in jail. You're not afraid you're going to be tortured. We're not afraid of that stuff. I'm just afraid someone's going to make fun of me, right? I'm afraid that I might be excluded from all the reindeer games or whatever, you know, just like Rudolph, you know? I'm going to be invited to the movie, whatever. We get afraid. That's just an ego fear, right? That's an ego fear. I don't know, we know, nobody, here's in dan- nobody here is in danger of going to jail for talking about Christ. Amen. But Moses didn't fear either, did he? I ain't got no fear. I ain't got no fear. It's faith. I don't fear. Why is it faith? Because I have promises. I got a hope in Christ and what he's done. I don't have fear. So he left. I'll tell you something right now, guys. Satan uses fear to paralyze people. He does. Case number one. Patient number one is me. I've been scared. I've been scared. Satan's made me afraid of things and kind of paralyzed me so that I did not do what God wanted me to do. I've seen it, seen it in my life, seen it in people's lives. And I want you to know right now, Satan will paralyze you with fear too. In order that you might not do what God has called you to do, Moses made a decision. He made a decision. He made a choice. Fear, pressure would not stop him. Get to verse 28. Now we're going to see something that faith accepts. Faith accepts God's provision. Does look by faith, by faith, by faith. He, Moses, what'd he do? He kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch him. So God had a provision, right? He had a provision. I don't know, you remember that 10th plague, that 10th plague, that 10th plague, that was brutal. I said, I'm going to send a destroyer, destroying angel. He's going to come over, he's going to kill the firstborn of every, everybody. All the firstborn is in Egypt. We're going to kill them all. You know, some people didn't believe it. God, 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 I don't know. That's, that's impossible. Some didn't believe it. You know who did? Moses. Moses believed it. So Moses did. You know, God said, I'm going to have a provision for you. Here's a provision. If you do this, you go get a lamb. You kill the lamb. He gave him all sorts of instructions, all sorts of instructions. Put the blood on the door, doorpost, door sides. When the angel of death 
comes, he's going to pass over your house and move on. All right, that's a provision, a provision. Beautiful picture of Jesus. Christian, we got a provision. Our provision is Jesus Christ. And when he does return, when we pass away, that angel, he's going to come over. But if you got blood of Christ on you, passes right over you, passes right over you. Not everybody believed that. You know who believed that? Who believed that back in the day? Those who had faith in God, right? So we see you have to have faith in God's provision. Seventh point, final thing, faith accepts God's promise. Here we go, here we go, by faith. No, seriously, this this is all crazy. By faith, the people, this is the people of God, crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same thing, they were drowned. Now, now, it's this whole scenario, it's by faith. When you remember Exodus, you got the, the people leaving, right? You got the Egyptians coming after them, they get to the Red Sea, looks like a trap. God, in his graciousness, parts the Red Sea. Now, you're thinking about it, man. You got the water on both sides just piled up. And you got that dry land in between. And God says, go through it. I don't know, man. I'd say, Alan, you first, you know? Now, how long is that water going to stay up there? And if I'm slow, is it going to get me? It says they crossed it by faith. God said it, they believed it, then they crossed. It's faith, man. It's faith, man. Now, I'm going to tell you this right now. If you're here today and you're waiting for calm waters before you start living the Christian life, you're going to be waiting a long time. Because calm waters, they do not come ever in this life. You don't get no calm waters. Stuff always going on. We go trust God. God's made some promises. God has said to his people, look, man, these promises. I'm telling you right now, things get crazy. Life gets crazy. Things go wrong. Going crazy. But are you going to live the Christian life? Are you going to do what I said? Because I got, I got, I got you in this life. And water's going, those walls, water's going to stay up. I got dry land. Are you going to trust in my promises? That's faith. That's faith. That's faith. Yeah, faith. Accept some things. Rejects other things, right? And every decision you make. Every decision we make. Our Christian walk rises and falls on these decisions. I want to tell you guys a story before we close out. I'm going, to tell you, I'm going to tell you another Moses story. This is my, this is my I got my own personal Moses story. Um, so, Moses. Okay, it starts out this way. So I was in Egypt, all right? And I had the opportunity to take a three-day boat trip up the Nile. That's not like a nice big cruise ship, you know what I'm saying? It's a, it's a bigger than a normal boat. I mean, it's got a bed and stuff. And so it starts, it starts kind of on the, the border with Sudan. 
and you're going to go up the Nile for three days, going towards Cairo, all right? And so during those three days, I'm around, you know, the Egyptian crew, and so in close proximity, so I had a lot of interaction with them, and they're all Muslim. Now, this is also interesting. This is, this is important to the story. Um, that area of the world is kind of a, I don't know, it's, a, it's, it's kind of a um, chaotic, brutal, rough place. It is. And so what had happened was the Egyptian government assigned to me and my wife some military personnel to escort us, all right? Didn't ask for it, but, you know, everywhere we walked in that part of the country, we had these men with big guns walking around with us. And I'm kidding you, it it was kind of cool. I felt kind of like a rock star. But I also, it reminded me that there's some people that would like to harm me But nonetheless, so that's kind of the setup. So we're on this boat, guys. We're on this boat for three days. And I got the Egyptian crew, and we got got the military with us, and we're cruising down the Nile. And it is staggering. I'm telling you, what the Egyptians had and what they did will blow your mind. The monuments, the temples, it is beyond your wildest imagination. And we're going down the Nile. All right. One night, one night. It's hot during the daytime. One night. The stars are out. The, 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 the desert stars are beautiful. They're beautiful. And then you got this boat, and it's not a big boat, but you know, I'm on the front deck, and there was an Egyptian man on the front deck. Now, I don't know if he was crew or military. I can't remember. But I thought to myself, I said this, I want to tell him about Jesus. I'm going to talk about Jesus. So I go up to him, and my strategy was this. I want to start in the Old Testament, and I want to walk through the New Testament, and I want to land on Jesus, all right? But I thought the best place to start would be Moses, right? We're on the Nile. I mean, we're going to start with Moses. And so we have our conversations, and I turn it towards um, spiritual things, and we start talking about Moses. Now, here's the mistake I made, guys. Here's the mistake I made. If I was talking to an American... I would want to make sure that they understood that Moses was an historical person and not a fairy tale. And so I make that assumption with him. And I told him, I said, you know, some people don't think Moses was real. Now, he's Muslim. And at that point, he got very upset at me. First of all, he already thought I was an infidel. And I am because I'm a Christian. He knew that. Don't want to touch me. Probably doesn't want to eat with me. When I said that some people don't think Moses is real, man, he looks at me like I'm a dog, you know, a dog. He's, he's agitated, he looks at me, looks at the stars. He's like, I want to tell you something. There is a God. The heavens, he don't even know he's quoting the Bible. We like, the heavens declare his glory. Look at this land around us. This guy doesn't even believe in the living God, by the way. You know, the, you know, the, the God of the Bible. Look at creation. And he says all that. He's quoting Bible. I'm being quiet. I'm not being quiet. And he goes, I want to tell you something about Moses. And he starts recounting the very story we just went over. He goes, you see this river right here? 5,000 years ago, a mother put Moses in it. 5,000 years ago, the Pharaoh's daughter took a bath. And this very river found that baby. And then he proceeded to tell me all the things that Moses did, all the decisions that Moses made, everything, everything we just went 
over. Now, here's the interesting thing. He doesn't believe in the God of the Bible, doesn't believe in Jesus. But he's already declared things that he believed that some seminary professors here in America don't even hold to. You know what I'm saying? It's crazy. So if you make me think about this, Moses. That's what we just talked about, Moses. Moses. What did Moses do 5,000 years ago that would cause this man on this river to be able to recount everything that he did? What did he do? I'll tell you right now what he did. He made some right decisions. He made some right decisions, difficult decisions, hard decisions, decisions that are hard. We make similar decisions today. Guys, I want you to understand this. What you decide and what you do is important. You decide to come to church, that's important. You decide to read your Bible, that's important. You deciding to pray, that's important. Your decisions impact your spiritual walk. Your decisions impact the men and women around you, your decisions will impact those who come after us. Your decisions matter. My decisions matter. And we want them to be biblical decisions, guys. It's important. Oh, we mess up. We ask for forgiveness, but we get back in it. Decisions matter. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, I thank you for the life of Moses. I thank you that he is a man that we can emulate I thank you that he's a man that we can see the decisions that he made in his life in obedience to you. Father, I want to make those same decisions. I want to forsake the pleasures, positions for your glory, Father. And it's not easy. We all know it. But I pray that we would be a people that make right decisions, that we live for your glory in our generation And we ask these things in the name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the Connect Card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a sermon series called The Seven Commands of Christ. Jesus gave dozens of commands, and as followers of Jesus, we should obey all of them. Over the next several weeks, we are focusing on seven that will change your life. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses, or you can attend online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. You know, there's so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing here at Silverdale, and we really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please, stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on the different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.